Man, my holiday bills are almost as hard to get rid of as my in-laws. I guess my budget will be my New Year's resolution again. Hi there, friendly S&T banker here. The aftermath of the holidays can be tough. Have you thought about using the equity in your home to consolidate your debt? I can do that? Yep. Home equities are one of the lowest cost financing options. At S&T Bank, we can help you so you can have a financial fresh start. Stop by a branch or visit stbank.com to learn more. S&T Bank. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. This is the point after presented by Parks Casino. Is today your lucky day? Bet Parks. By Brian Patton and Associates. It's all about the benefits. And by the Steelers Pro Shop. Get it direct from the team at shop.steelers.com. Alongside Craig Wolfley and Matt Williamson, I'm Rob King. Thanks very much for being with us after uh, some relatively somber point afters. Uh, the point after this time was good. Split the uprights 34 to 13. <laughs> yeah, baby. The uh, 34 13. Wait, 34 to 11? 11. It was 34 11. It was a few days ago. Thank you. 34 11. Thanks, Wolf. Well, you know, uh, I have my moments. <laughs> Very few and far in between, but I have my moments. Steelers pounding the Cincinnati Bengals, and now suddenly uh, there seems to be a new sheen on this season after that victory. This look back segment is brought to you by Brian Patton and Associates. It's all about the benefits. And let's begin with just some overall comments. Wolf, uh, what did you think of that 34 to 11 victory? Over the Bengals. Spectacular in every way. You know, uh, what a joy it was to broadcast that game. What a joy it was to watch that game. What a joy it was to hear the fallout after the game was over, the guys coming out. and um, That's what football is all about. I mean, just that that total uh, entendre of the guys coming together. And that's a big word, I know. Yes, it but is. But I had to throw French one too. in. You know, I just <laughs> I got that one somewhere. Yeah. But, you know, the, all the guys coming together, doing what they need to do to secure a victory, I just thought it was spectacular. And kudos to Mason. Um, I can't even begin to imagine the pressure that he felt in coming out and performing like that. But uh, he certainly rose to the challenge, and he was aggressive and did a great job. I was thinking about that before we get to you, Matt. Yeah. I was thinking about – we're doing the post-game show with Charlie Batch, looking out at the traffic and thinking, well, Mason Rudolph's probably in that traffic. And then thinking to myself, is there a happier person in the city of Pittsburgh than Mason Rudolph? You know I mean? To have to sit there and wait and, you know, should he be playing? Shouldn't he be playing? Well, he's, you know, we pointed out, hey, he was third string for a reason. Yeah, but he didn't get a chance. And back and forth that goes. And you're wondering, am I ever going to get another chance? And then to do that, like everybody in Steeler Nation was happy. I'm like, that's got to be the happiest guy on the planet driving home right now. Exactly. And I'm just saying this in a little bit because you're compadre in the postgame show. I remember when Chuck Batch sat in for uh, my, uh, for Ben Roethlisberger against Baltimore. Yes. I remember the, like, chills coming off him at the end of the game. The hug? Yeah, the hug from Ben and everything yeah. else. The pressure was so ginormous, yet Charlie Batch rose to the occasion and piloted and steered a Steelers victory. Those sorts of moments, you, you don't forget. It's incredible. Yeah. Matt? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer playing over the, yeah. the loudspeaker yeah, as he walked out. Yeah, I mean, how great is that? I mean, the timing of it all. And, and real quick on him, I mean, I couldn't have been happier for him either. But I've always thought that Rudolph got a little bit of the short end of the stick, just from public perception, national perception. I think they're 6-4-1 and one now with him as a starter. And people would lump him in like him and Duck were the same guy that year. They weren't at all. I mean, one of them's an NFL player, a, a backup, where Duck was happy to be there type of thing. And I think everyone remembers the Thursday night game going to Cleveland 
when Miles Garrett smashed him over the head with the helmet. And I watched that game and thought, I don't care if Elway or Ben Roethlisberger's out there. They have no one. The guys couldn't even line up right. I mean, they had, like, guys off the practice squad, receivers in that game. There was no chance to really excel. And then late that year, he got a chance again with the Jets. And I thought he played his best football and got hurt in that game. So he never really got to, like, finish the story. I felt for him. Those two games will always stick out with me with Rudolph. And now a third one, which is a great memory. No question. Wolf, you look like you're going to say something there. No, it was just a passing thought. I don't know. It might have been a chocolate chip cookie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, when when you think about where the Steelers are right now, and again, you don't want to pin. It's far beyond one guy. When Mitch Trubisky stepped in, you know, you lost Minka Fitzpatrick. You're, you, you know, you're you're out your top three safeties. You're trying to figure out what's going on at the linebacker position. Um, other things are happening around you, but in the games where he's been the primary quarterback, the team's zero and four. Under Mason Rudolph, they're one and zero. Under um, uh, Pickett, they're uh, seven and three. So. There are, you know, which sets up the reason I say that it sets up the very interesting question about what's going to happen. It looks as we speak now like it might be Rudolph into Pickett, but it's Tuesday, and there's a long way between now and Sunday. But I think just relishing the moment for him, and then um, another guy that that had a big game, and obviously, uh, you know, mixed feelings about, um, and and more recent because of the the controversy with George Pickens and the non-blocking the week before was the fact that George Pickens just had a phenomenal game. Right. I mean, four catches for 195 yards. I mean, just uh, craziness. Well, what is the essence of coaching? The essence of coaching is to bring out the very best in your players. Part of the essence of coaching and bringing out the very best in your players is dealing with young men who need supervision. They need encouragement. They need boundaries. They need all these things to be able to realize their individual talents. And the thing that Chuck Noll always used to say was, I don't treat everybody the same, but I treat everybody fairly. And that's become a common theme throughout the NFL now. But back in the 70s and 80s, back in the days when I was there, that was kind of a newer statement. You know, that was a newer philosophy. It, You know, back then, uh, before that, a lot of it was, yeah, we treat everybody bad. <laughs> you know, just, right. We treat everybody right. to death. You know, that's the way the NFL way. But the fact is, there's a difference. And this is a new generation of player. And I don't know if, you know, you watch your kids, you know, sometimes I got a, I got a, I got a son who's, um, you know, a young guy. And I had to repeat a lot of things for, <laughs> for a period of time in his life and speak to that before he was able to internalize that and start to take that on his own. That's part of what coaching's about. It's about making sure that you are communicating to a level of your expectations and those expectations being met by that individual. And it's a one of these, you know, group things where it starts coming together. And I think we just saw that happen and play out. The same but not fair. I think Bill Parcells used to say that about Lawrence Taylor, right? Because Lawrence Taylor, you yeah, know, he never knew. I mean, you know, you figured he'd be there on Sunday, but I mean there's a there's a period of his time where you might even had to question, hey, is LT gonna be there? <laughs> oh yeah, he is. He's gonna have two and a half sacks, including the biggest play in the fourth quarter. I think uh, Jimmy Johnson used to say, Well, if Michael Irvin was a couple minutes late to a meeting, that's a little different than the fifty third guy. Yes. And you don't want to get to yeah. that point with these guys. No. And, and neither and Pickens aren't Michael Irvin and Lawrence Taylor in terms of accomplishments either, but He's pretty good at the game. Yeah, but it's harder and harder. And we were kind of <laughs> pretty good. We were kind of talking about this before we went on the air. It's harder and harder and harder now for a coach. Um, you know, listen, it's fifty-three individuals and more. I mean, it used to be you could probably lump guys into a into a certain category. Now, yeah, I mean, these guys have grown up in a different way than the three of us have grown up, and it's just uh, 
um, it, it's a different world, and coaches have to have to respond differently and have to act differently, have to behave differently because of the player. You can't always use the stick either. You know, what I mean, sometimes right. it's got to be the carrot or people around them or or the know, chocolate chip cookie. Or the chocolate chip cookie, <laughs> exactly. So uh, they handled it really well. The results were great. The fact that Pickens makes the huge play so early in the game, too. I mean, I think it was just a big exhale and a relief. And, you know, he makes it the catch down the sideline as well. He was phenomenal. You know, on-the-field product was tremendous. I mean, they took advantage of what I thought it was a pretty bad defense, but they beat the crap out of it. You know? Yeah. And yeah. You know, the other thing, too, is I, I think that, um, you know, the Jalen Warren block mm-hmm. on, on an awfully good football player. Like, I think Jermaine Pratt's a, a really good linebacker. Um, oh, yes. I, I think he's a, a really fine player. <laughs> but I think my favorite meme, you know, you're scrolling around on your phone and you're watching the games. And <laughs> they had a they had a picture of Jermaine Bratt, Pratt just at the time where Jalen Warren hit him. And um, he was uh, um, uh, he was the Halls and uh, and Warren was the Bows of Holly. And so uh, nice. <laughs> at that moment, as he decked them, yeah. uh, he decked the Halls. Where that was, you know, it was uh, an incredible block and coming – in a such a similar circumstance as it had the week before in which Pickens, obviously that's, that's, you know, the, the, the whole controversy arose when he said, well, I didn't want to get hurt. So I didn't make the block. And, and Warren said, well, I would have blocked. And then they run. Now it's a wide receiver running. The only thing it was, if it had been Pickens instead of Austin, oh, it would have been that, sensational. Would, have, that yeah. would have been a complete, uh, you know, changing of the picture, but, but what a tremendous block. And it got everybody, Fired up. No question about it. And think about it. Jalen Warren is a man of his word, right? He said, I'd block for George. <laughs> By golly, it wasn't George, but it's Cal Austin. Yeah. And now whammo. I, you, you see a decleat or a slobber knocker like that. Let me tell you something. That makes you feel so good. That is such good family fun. You can't even believe it. Yeah. I sat there yesterday watching the film, and I put that rewind button over and over. I had a cup of joe, and I was just, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. A little slip, you know, slurp. And a, wow. Again, it was amazing. I, I, I told my wife I couldn't get off. I just kept, I, it's the same thing. I kept watching it over and over again. I mean, it really was. I mean, it was just perfect. You know, it was. And listen, I mean, you know, um, if anybody's ever played football and sat in a film room, you've probably been Jermaine Pratt before. Oh, yeah. Lower that pad level. What are you thinking here? What are you seeing? Don't you see him coming? You know, blah, blah, blah. You got to, you got to, you know, you got to fill the hole there. And he came in high and, and he did not use particularly good technique and he got flattened, but so it goes. I, yeah. I mean, I've been on both ends of it. Yeah. I've been the splatterer and the splattery. Yeah. And when you see that film rewinding when it's you, that's not a good. No. No, it's, no, no. It keeps going. No. What were you thinking? Hang on a second here. Let's watch that one more time. <laughs> hey, everybody, here's something really bad. Oh, boy. Anyway, uh, just it was it was great to see. And, and you know, I, I wanted to uh, get some to something, Matt, you were talking about in your podcast as far as we. You know, the offense goes, and we're, we're going to get to the defense, certainly. Um, but I thought the Steelers – I thought first of all, I thought the offensive line played a really, really good game. Yeah. I think there was only one sack, and Rudolph probably held on to it too long and kind of drifted over to Dan Moore, who I thought also – the holding call on him was just, I thought – Ridiculous. Uh, it was a horrible call. Yep. Um, but I thought the offensive line was good. I thought when, they, when the offense was out – in the first half and in the second half, look, you're trying to just get to the end of the game. The game's over. You got it won. You're not going to be probably as effective running the ball. You'd like to be. That's one thing. Maybe if you're going to quibble in a minor fashion. You'd love to be able to just run the ball down their throats. But when they had everything rolling uh, in the first half, the, they, 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 ran, they rushed for 70 yards. The offensive line was blowing open holes. 
Um, the, the holes got smaller in the second half, but they're protecting Rudolph. I, I thought the offensive line played a really, really strong game. Yeah, and I'm sure they would tell you they were very unhappy with how they played against the Colts. I mean, like, personally, as an analyst, I sold the Colts front seven a little short. and They got worked over. And they got worked, they got over, worked over badly in that game in almost an embarrassing fashion. And so, as professionals, you love how they respond. You know, I mean, I thought Siamalu yep. played really well. Maybe it was best uh, – Mason Cole's maybe best game of the year. You know, mm-hmm. nobody was – you know, short uh, or, you know, left you hanging at all. Saw Chooks out there for a couple reps as a six guy. I was a little worried, to be honest, that Washington might be hitting a rookie wall, and he came back in big fashion as an extension of the O-line. You know, we even mentioned um, some of the peripheral blocking by Warren. Robinson was out there smacking people, as he's done all year. So the blocking across the the whole uh, starting 11, I thought, was really, really good. And they didn't break, you know, 20, 30-yard runs, but there was a lot of six, seven, eight-yard runs, mm-hmm. particularly particularly on early downs. They stayed ahead of the chain. Yep. And they game. kept pushing. And don't forget Fryermuth. Yeah. My gosh. Yeah, that block on the touchdown run by Calvin Austin, you had both Mount Washington and Fryermuth out there. They each took one guy, wiped it out, and that let Jalen Warren go right in after uh, Pratt. Bammo. Just you couldn't have designed that better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 16 first downs for the Steelers. You were seven of 14 on third down, and nine of them came via rush. So they were setting that up Makes with sense. the early down yeah. success. And you, as you mentioned, you know, we talked about that last week. The Bengals not a good first down defense, and no. the Steelers were able to take advantage right. of that, run the football. And and to Matt's point, Wolf, I thought the the running backs, you know, ran hard, especially in the first half. I mean, I'm not they ran hard all game, but I mean, mm-hmm. they got into a rhythm. Set the tone. I thought, yeah. yeah, set the tone. Thank you, Matt. In the first half, I thought no question about it. And when you set that tone, you start to gain momentum. And they gained momentum throughout the game, I thought. You watch that offensive line. I mean, whether it was Isaac Suomalo pulling around on that power. Lead power, I love watching him because it's just like with that hair flowing out the back, it's just like with Palomalo. Follow the hair. You see that hair coming out straight? You are got the ball? Just follow that dude because that dude is about to put a whacking on somebody, which he did do. And then you got James Daniels who also played so very well. Some of the, the – he had a couple of pachyderms that he just rolled out of there and slammed on the ground. And you just like, wow, I loved it. When yeah. you see that offensive line playing that physical, where thick bodies are being moved in the trenches there, it, it gives, I, for me, I get all googly moogly on it. You know, I was like, wow, that's fun. Because I know what it's like when you're in there and you're putting a pasting on those guys. Those guys are looking at you kind of side eye, but you know, you, you're on their, their, their mind. I mean, they're, they're, they're worried about it, you know, and that's the beauty of that good inside running. And those two ball carriers take it personally too. Oh you know, yeah, like they don't yeah. just duck out of bounds or no, eh, no, I'll no. just go down easy here. I mean, Najee's a fighter to the end. Yes, and, you know, right. I mean, they as take is it Warren. Yeah, he they is, have yeah. no interest in being tackled. No, yeah. you know, they take no, it personally. I can't None. decide if Najee's a fullback, a halfback, or a mixed martial artist. I don't know. I was yeah. saying, I mean, all the upper body yeah. stuff he's punching and I, I mean, know. Like, <laughs> he, I love watching him go, man. Because you think you come up to tackle him, you're in a fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fight. And one other thing too, glad to see. The stretch, Matt, of um, it was 11 consecutive games without at least two touchdown passes, without getting, to, you, know, mm. you know, for more than one touchdown pass. That's yeah. the longest current streak in the NFL. That's over now. We talked about yeah. the 400 yards that stretched on, unfortunately, for seasons, but it's a little less uh, celebrated streak, but 11 straight games was the longest in the NFL. That's over now. Um, so, a lot, just a lot of good things out of the offense. Yeah, absolutely. Game. It'd be nice to put some of those things just behind you that you don't have to talk about streaks and whatnot because they can pretend like they don't listen to them, but they, you have to hear some of those things. Um, frankly, 
sometimes 400 yards isn't the, the direct result in a win either. You know, I mean, they right. had a lot of good stretches where they controlled the flow of the game and didn't get to those numbers. But, no, I thought this was a great offensive performance. Now can they take it to Seattle on the road and do the same thing? We'll see. 397 yards was in the 34-11 okay. to 11 victory. You're listening to The Point After. We're going to take a look at the defense, also some other factors of this game, a little brief look forward to Seattle as well. A little bit later on in the program when The Point After on Steelers Nation Radio and 102.5 DVE continues. This is The Point After presented by Parks Casino. Is today your lucky day? Bet Parks by Brian Patton and Associates. It's all about the benefits and by the Steelers Pro Shop. Get it direct from the team at shop.steelers.com. Dot com alongside Craig Wolfley and Matt Williamson. I'm Rob King. Hope you all had a great uh, holiday. Merry Christmas, etc. Looking forward to the new year. Uh, Steelers have played their final game of the year. Not till next year will the Steelers play again, right? At home. Uh, wait a minute. Oh, of the of the year. Yeah. yeah okay. No, Sunday's still this year, right? Yes, yeah, Sunday's I'll, I'll look at my calendar real quick. Okay, so I'm, threw me a I've now there. made two mistakes. <laughs> so one, a third strike and I'm out. Sunday's New Year's yes. Eve. That's right. It is Sunday New Year's Eve. Eve. Yeah, thank so you very much. Still yeah. better than we're all a little, detailed we're, we're discussing that we're all a little groggy from too much protein, too much With sugar. sugar. Big too gap much from everything. game to show, too. Yeah, big gap from game to show. Uh, no excuse for not knowing what year it is, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's one I'd like to get better at. Um, okay, so uh, – you know, Wolf and I were having a discussion, Matt. I'm going to start with you on this before yeah. we talk about the defense because uh, in the locker room with Wolf and Max Starks, um, you know, they, the guys were bringing up a great point that uh, the scouting department, Andy Weidel, the rest of his scouts, phenomenal job in finding the replacements that they've needed oh, at okay. safety and at linebacker in the middle of the season. How difficult that is, how much scouting goes into. I'm sure they've got a list of – Wide receivers they haven't tapped into. Tight ends they haven't tapped into. Cornerbacks they haven't tapped into, although they did pick up Darius Rush earlier this year. But then when you look at not only picking guys up, but your three leading tackers, now you've lost a Landon Roberts, so you've lost your top three safeties and your top three inside linebackers and your top three tacklers in the game were Michael Walker, Eric Rowe, and Miles Jack, mm-hmm. all of whom you had to go out and acquire in the middle of the season yeah. to fill in and fill in vital roles, and not only fill in vital roles, but succeed in those roles. Yeah, and I'll steal this from Dale Lawley's column that he does after the Steeler game, too, is those three, the three leading tacklers, were not even employed by the Pittsburgh Steelers on October 30th. I mean, so Incredible. they weren't in camp. You know, they were all acquired throughout the year, and that was, you know, the, the earliest of them all. So, yes, the Steelers have done a tremendous job of mining the bottom of their roster and the practice squad. But I also commend the NFL. So one of the best things that came out of COVID for the league are these expanded practice squad guys. You know, you couldn't put many veterans on your practice squad back in the day when that was invented. Now you can put guys like Miles Jack and Walker that have been around the rows 31 years old. You know, you can put them on your practice squad, teach them things behind the scenes a little bit. So it makes for a better product for the league. But, no, those guys all played great, and you guys might have caught it. I didn't quite catch it. It sounded like Jack was, I'm going to say gassed, but, I mean, he hadn't played in a while, and he played led the linebackers in snaps, and I thought it was Walker's best game. I thought Rowe was fine. And give Peterson some credit. He's playing out of position yeah. quite a bit, too. You know? I think that's really intriguing, yeah. the, the Peterson thing. But I just just to because you've been in an NFL front office, mm-hmm. you've been in a scouting department, 
What goes into that? I mean, how many guys are are? Is there somebody in charge? Are there one or two guys in charge of knowing? There's on everybody else's practice squad, well, and yes. your own, and who you might be able to pick up. I mean, do you have a list of guys? Hey, uh, because you know you can't just you can't lose uh, these kind of players. I wouldn't think on a Sunday. Then Monday, be like, hey, uh, let's get everybody together. Uh, we need to go start scouting some teams. Like they, they have to have that in place, right? Yes. There's, there's a couple, a little bit of insight I can give on that. Is there is every team, every team should, every team has a board. Back then it was magnets, but it was on computers too. But in the director of pro scouting's office, there was our emergency board. You know that break glass in case of, and our, our director of pro scouting would have that board handy on game day because if you lost a linebacker, you're going to that emergency board and finding that agent. Two minutes after the injury happened, I mean, during the game, you're getting wow. on in, in, in touch with those guys immediately or sending an email or a text or whatever. So you walk in there in your folder with your emergency board, hopefully not needing to use it. Plus, plus practice squads weren't as big back then. But to give you, like, my pro scouting job with the Browns was I was a young scout, so they gave me the a- NFC West, and they weren't on the schedule that year. So – but I had to have a grade and watch every snap of NFC West tape. So if they would cut a guard, is he better than our last guard? You know, you, you always had to be in charge of that division. And other scouts had their divisions as well. And they would also do advanced scouting because I didn't I didn't have to do that because West was not on the schedule. So, yeah, I watched every snap of Orlando Pace and Walter Jones. I didn't think they're not becoming available. You <laughs> right, know what right, I mean? The yeah. more important job is, you know, who's the – best guy on their practice squad or worst guy that could get, you know, through waivers. And is he better than what we had with the Browns? The case was often yes on that team. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> you know, we could use every help we could get. Uh, amazing to hear that part of the process. I mean, yeah. I've heard about it in baseball more, you know, and then um, it's always interesting. Uh, you know, you hear later on, well, we love this guy. We should have claimed him. And, you know, you, you know there's always the scout to, you know, you, you freak, you don't frequently hear of, oh, I thought that guy was going to be really good. And, you know, mm-hmm. I wish we drafted him when he didn't turn out to be very good, but, it, but I love this kid. There's like a romance still uh, for the game that I love about scouting. Absolutely. In any game. I think but it's great. Think about the magnificent job to have the ability to go four or five linebackers deep and four safeties deep or whatever it is. Yeah. It's it's yeah. unbelievable. I mean, when you think about it, that's a that's a play you have not seen in a long time, man. Yeah. Hitting certain spots, and certainly for that uh, to the for the front office people to be able to dig that deep, man. That is it's amazing. And I would think, Matt, for the guy who you know pounded his fist on the table for the late draft, late round draft choice, or the undrafted free agent, the Jalen Warren, or even the James Harrison. Right, mm-hmm. somebody had to stand up and put in a word for that person. And um, I would imagine that part of the of the scouting world has just got to be like, yes, so unbelievably rewarding. So I haven't told this story on Pittsburgh Air- Airways for a while, but maybe the most rewarding thing I did with my year with the Browns, and Steeler fans aren't going to like it because they got the, the, the wrong end of the stick on it, mm-hmm. was our first pick was Braylon Edwards. So we were not going to spend a lot of money on other free agents. The third pick in the draft was a, was a wide receiver. So my job was – I got ten grand from what I remember, which was a decent buck then, to sign three undrafted free agents, and I gave like ninety eight hundred of it to Josh Cribbs because he was a nice. returner. He was yeah. right down the street, and I, I did all the legwork, hoping he didn't get drafted, hoping he didn't get drafted. I don't even know the other two receivers. I gave like a hundred bucks each to, and then Paul Warfield sealed the deal, and you know Josh Cribbs became a Brown and. 
did some bad things to the Steelers, yeah. you know? So that kind of stuff was like, ah, he should have been drafted. Why is he still out there? I just got my, my fingers crossed that somebody didn't pluck him in the seventh round. I love it. Love you this. Know? That's a great story. Um, and for the Steelers, I think the, the reward of seeing these guys come together, and I think overall, too, as we take a step back from just the individual personnel and, and credit the scouting department, I thought the Steelers coaching staff did a fantastic job. You know, Browning came out. His mm, numbers yeah. were outstanding, but a lot of that was, uh, and I don't want to take anything away from Jake Browning because he's he's made some he's made some good throws. He's done some nice things as their quarterback. Um, you know, flung that ball up to T. Higgins, and I, you know, that was a bit of a prayer. But 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 you know, in the week before, but he he's he's made some good throws. But they did a lot of stuff to the running backs. Big in the screen game, they killed the Colts in the screen game. Um, you know, utilization, you would think in this game, coming in the middle of the field against the Steelers, particularly the tight ends and running backs. I mean, obviously, Higgins had the one that he that he took the distance. But I thought, by and large, the coaching staff had this team ready, and they dropped Watt. They dropped Highsmith. Highsmith comes up with an interception in this game. I just thought that the way they prepared for what Jake Browning did and what he did well was tremendous and was a big part of why they won the game. There's no question about it. I mean, Jake Browning was on a roll. He had, what, four, I think he was, uh, what, five games in a row. He had a quarterback rated him 95 or better. Yeah, he was tremendous. Since the 50s. So you can't take anything away from this kid. This kid, he he earned it, and he was was doing great. But, you know, they moved the pieces around for the Steelers. You saw Watt. You saw Highsmith moving around a little bit. You saw him drop, which I, I still can't get over Highsmith with that interception. Yeah. That was a great job of dropping following the quarterback's eyes, and then leading him and then making a catch. I mean, think about it. These are guys, those edge rushers, these are guys that do battle with six foot seven, 340-pound monsters, you know, and trying to get a sack. So, And yet they come out here and they can cover backs. And I, I just marvel at it. They're great athletes setting the edge on the run, getting involved in the run game. If you look at the two of them together, I think they had a couple sacks, five quarterback hits that mean T.J. and – and, and Alex together, and uh, just did a great stuff together in pressuring Browning and just keeping him, you know, having to throw the ball and, you know, not being able to move around a whole lot. So a couple things on that level is we, we touched on it. The, the replacement guys came in and did their jobs. And, Rob, I think we remember that one of our keys leading up to the game for the video we do was tackle the catch. You know, they right. did that really well. And the, Browning is playing great, but a lot of it was short, controlled passing, get it out of your hands quick, rhythm, timing, after the catch, the backs and tight ends. And the defense did a tremendous job with that, with the middle of the field guys, linebackers, mm-hmm. safeties. But I thought a big reason that that stuff worked as well as it did was your stars came to play. You didn't have Minka, and I'm going to include Porter in this. Porter mm-hmm. and your two edge guys were right. tremendous in yes. this game. Dropping the edge guys, I think, made Browning, you know, pat the ball an extra second and allowed the other guys to get home. And clearly, as pass rushers, as well as the run game, Watt and Highsmith beat up on their tackles. You know, Orlando Brown, who they've given big money to. Jonah Williams, a former first-round pick. I mean, they have a lot invested in those tackles, and they got beat repeatedly. I, I, I can't forget the, you know, Renegade comes on, and I forget how the sequence was, but... Watt got a sack, and then Williams jumped off sides, and he got a hold or something. I mean, it was just a bevy of things happening in a row right when Renegade hit in the second half. And then this is the number I wanted to pull out. was This is was on NFL.com. This is their next-gen stats, which allowed so much of the other things to happen in the middle of the field. 
Porter was on T. Higgins for 32 of the 40 pass routes that he ran. Okay, I mean, so we know Higgins did some good things in this game, but Porter was on him 32 out of 40. On the plays he covered by Porter, Higgins had one reception on two targets for 15 yards. Incredible. That's unbelievable. I mean, right. just think of the ripple effect that has on doubling tight ends or, you know, taking you know the middle of the field. If he's on the best guy, that's just a huge advantage. I mean, he. we talked about this in the locker room. Um, and, you know, uh, Wolf and Matt, we, one of the things we brought up, like if you could do the draft over, and we will mm-hmm. know for three or four years, but guys that are doing what Joey Porter's been doing normally go in like the top 10 of the draft. It's right? Sauce Gardner. Yeah, I mean, they, it's they don't, yeah, right, they yeah. don't go where he went. Um, now, again, let's let it play out. His career is just starting. But it is so – it's hard to – curb your enthusiasm for what he's what he's doing i mean he's he's been tremendous for the steelers yes yeah, man I mean, <laughs> yeah. watch him i'm just sitting there going you know i i don't know i always thought you know joey probably have a kid that could rush the pastor and everything else like that be like his dad but you know he's a cornerback comes out yet yeah, he he's his dad in in a cornerback's body i mean he plays with that intensity that fierceness that yeah. that uh, desire to be great you can see it He's not afraid of the challenges. He's not afraid of you know putting himself under the microscope and and delivering the goods in a, in a way in a fashion that is um, pretty exceptional. And he's up to the big stage challenge. And and you look at that, you go, he is a chip off the block. You know, he is you know someone that is is going to get better as as the years roll by. I, I believe for the how many, how long? I mean, you know, so I'm excited to see what his future is going to be. I'm excited to see him develop more because once you do that and you get one of those cornerstones and then you get, we haven't even seen what Corey Trice can do. Right. You know, and so that next year, it looks very promising just because there's another young man out there who uh, has capabilities of coming alongside that long corner length wise type thing. And you never know what can develop after that. Yeah. And I'm interested to see that, but I I do want to, and that maybe we can talk about that next segment. We're just about out of time on this segment, but, um, when you look at this draft and you see Broderick Jones and what he is showing, his mm-hmm. he's capable of. Obviously, picked high Porter, Benton, ben. and then you talk about like Herbig and Washington and guys sure. that I mean, most guys take a little bit of time to develop and what are they going to be? Um, but you've got three guys that are just you Look know like cornerstones. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. You do. Yes. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking Herbig's starting to look like a cornerstone project too, mm-hmm. man. Yeah, but he, but he's. It, it's nice to see him like kind of coming along. Like that's the normal yeah. pace, right? Like yeah. bring the look rookie along. Well, Benton from from day Always. one, and and Broderick Jones since he's been inserted, and Joey Porter since he's been inserted in the lineup, they've they looked the, really, really good. The dude's a destroyer on the inside. I'm telling you. Yeah, just yeah. Telling you. It's been fun. We have. Lots more ground to cover. Uh, This is The Point After on Steelers Nation Radio on 102.5 DVE. This is The Point After presented by Parks Casino. Is today your lucky day? Bet Parks by Brian Patton and Associates. It's all about the benefits. And by the Steelers Pro Shop. Get it direct from the team at shop.steelers.com. Okay, uh, Wolf, I just... Something you said made me – I just want to bring this up. It's not exactly uh, relevant to this game. Well, part of it is. Um, but, you know, you, I think a lot of Steelers fans would look at this defense, uh, look at the back end and say, okay, well, Joey Porter Jr., for sure. Minka Fitzpatrick, for sure. The rest of it, they're going to have to figure out. 
Well, we've known about Corey Trice. Uh, I think there's some belief in Darius Rush, who's been on the practice squad, yeah. that maybe he can be a guy. But this move from Patrick Peterson, this move necessitated by injuries to safety, hmm, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm looking at him thinking, could he be the guy that you put next to Minka next year? Could he be a guy following the Rod Woodson mold, some other molds of guys that have moved from corner to safety? He seems amenable to it. I mean, I think I was really intrigued by uh, by him at the safety position. Well, I thought he acquitted himself very well, no doubt about it. Look, when you're as well versed as uh, Pat Peterson is in all the you know the different uh, positions out there, the thing that he represented to me was, okay, calm down, I got this. I mean, that's what I got from Pat Peterson. A guy out there that's going to say, relax. Da 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 da. Gets the communication from the front end to the back end, from the back end to the front end, and don't get all in a bunch about it. Is is basically it? Then that calming influence. What that what does that do? That people just play faster. If you if you're back there and you're not sure what's going on, and then all of a sudden you know you're not a great communi- communicator like Pat Pete is. The guy's been around for a long time and is able to communicate so very well. Make sure people are on the same page. You know, that's what you get. You get a good result even when you have people that haven't been there. You know, and he's able to bring them together and be able to do that. I saw the greatest demonstration of of being on the same page between it was uh, Levi Wallace and it was it was Minka Fitzpatrick up at training camp, and they were talking and with one of the linebackers. I can't remember who, but I was just happened to be on the sidelines in earshot of them and just how they communicated about a tight end and a running back and a wide receiver to the same side was spectacular. And I, I think with Pat Pete, that's exactly what you get is somebody who's able to relieve a lot of the fears that the coaches, coaching staff may have by with people that are new out there and have not had much time with the Steelers. And that's what he does. A great job. So take that even further. I mean, you mentioned Rod Woodson, Charles Woodson. Right. Some all-time greats have made that move. And if you have the size, the head, and the desire, it's quite possible. And I think he has all three. Um, interestingly, you know, he came from the Vikings. I mean, everyone thinks about Patrick Peterson as a Revis Island man coverage corner, right. and he was for the great deal of his career. But with the Vikings last year, they were the heaviest zone team in the entire league. And he had a bunch of picks. You know, I mean, if, if you're a defensive back, you either have man eyes, you know, where you're focused on one guy, or zone eyes, where you see the world through a much different world, you know, a much different lens. You, you, you see all the, the whole field. And he, he's always shown the ability to do both. But with the Vikings, his zone capabilities were really, really strong. He took the ball away. And he sat down with Dale and I at the minicamp, and he basically said, I'm not here to follow Jamar Chase around for 60 plays. I know who I am. You know, he's very conscious of where he's at in his stage of his career. I can't speak for him, but I would think he'd be very interested in being one of two or three safeties, including Minka, next year. He's under contract one more year. Being an outside corner playing man coverage in the Joey Porter Jr. mold isn't what he is anymore. You know what I mean? He's here to be a jack-of-all-trades and a leader. Yeah, it, it is It is interesting, very intriguing yeah. to me that he could solve a huge – look, and you're going to get a you're going to get a look at him, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's – they need him. He's oh, going to yeah. be playing – he's going to be playing safety, I would think, yeah, right. over the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, after the game ended, Mike Tomlin-Wolf talked about complimentary football. And I think that we saw that go against the Steelers, um, particularly uh, the week before this one, in which, um, you know, 
Najee fumbles one play later, it's a touchdown. Um, you know, just these things that happen against you with the complimentary football. And I thought in this game, in a couple of different regards, like I thought maybe in retrospect, well, even at the time, I thought maybe maybe the biggest play of the game was the Patrick Peterson interception. You know, you march down, you score. Well, you don't march down, you throw the ball to George Pickens. And he marches, <laughs> he marches and scores. You get the ball back. They go on a long drive. You get the interception from Peterson. Okay, great. Take a breath. Then you go on this 10-play drive in which you score the touchdown. I, I just thought that was one of those big moments in this game. There were a couple like that. Um, you know, you score 17 points off of turnovers. I, I just thought the Steelers really – and you know how that is, like, you know, and we've seen we've seen this really in a lot of their losses where things just start to get away from you. You can't come up with the big drive. You can't come up with a good stop. You can't you can't be the person that that reverses that complimentary football. And in this game, I thought they played as Mike Tomlin said, great complimentary football. Absolutely. I mean, you think about how this season is really un, 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 unfurled. I mean, mainly it's been a lot of defense, good defensive work, offense kind of sputtering, getting things done. But today we saw that the offense kick started it. The defense got some takeaways. Even when the defense faltered with the T. Higgins 80-yarder to start off the second half, what do we have? Steelers turn around and go answer the touchdown with a touchdown. We have not seen that throughout most right. of the season. Yep. So there was a lot of good complimentary football going on out there, and there was guys rising to the challenge, getting the job done, and I thought that the ability for the offense to support the defense in so many occasions and turn those interceptions – into points, you know. I mean that that's huge. I mean, we, sometimes you know you get the uh, interception and turnover, you don't get the points. Right. And what's 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 yards? Yards are just empty. They're just you know empty stacks. calories. Yeah. 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 In a way. Which yeah. I I always Which we like. Both, we we like all empty probably calories. put out our share in the last couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're all perspiring a lot more here doing just, just by talking. It shouldn't be as hard. <laughs> though, no, it yeah. shouldn't be this hard. It really shouldn't be. Um, you know, I thought one of the other things that was uh, terrific about this game was the red zone offense and the red zone defense. Man. Yeah, yeah, uh, 100%. I mean, I do think Browning struggled. He kind of looked his age a little bit as a red zone passer. And I'm not taking any shots at Kenny, but, I mean, that's not been his strength. I mean, frankly, it hasn't been Trevor Lawrence's strength. I mean, young quarterbacks that are new to this league almost always struggle in the red zone. And I think Rudolph has shown – some maturity, some experience, and also the physicality of the run game. And frankly, it's nice to have some explosions, you know, explosive plays thrown on there too, thanks to Mr. Pickens. You know, a little combination of both. And back to the complimentary football, they now are number one in the league again in turnover differential. You know, I mean, incredible. And plus, it had been shrinking, game. right? It had yeah, been going, going the wrong going direction. The wrong yeah, drastically. And now they're number one again. Yeah, that, that is good. And and one of the other things too, you, know, you talk about yards being empty, but they still are. They still count. You still want to see them not give up yards in the punting game. I think we should point that out. Mm -hmm. Once again, um, that was not a positive statistic for the for the Steelers. But a week after they had all those penalties, they come back in this game. And Mike Tomlinson, we got to do things differently. We got to get back to, you know, playing certain style of football. We have we have to make changes. Two penalties for fifteen yards. That's that's huge. I mean, you're giving away last week you gave away eighty yards. 80, 90 yards in the penalties, just the penalties. Right. Oh. You know, that's your moving field position around and only have two for 15. I thought that should be that should be underscored and because the Steelers came back and played the kind of football they needed to. Absolutely. Look, as one who has contributed heavily to penalties in a game at, at one point in time, 
<laughs> tying Mike Webster for the most holding calls in one single game. Uh, look, I understand the importance of playing clean. <laughs> so you know, the, how, the, how many was that, Wolf? <laughs> you really want to know? Yeah, I do. It's like four. Oh, jeez. Okay. Yeah, it was. It was a Sorry. bad day. Oh, it was a bad day. Oh. So anyhow, <laughs> moving right along. Yes. Um, the fact is, that's the importance of playing clean, though, because what you're able to do and what you're able to accomplish. Look, I know. Jonah Williams, right tackle. Okay, gets a, you're out there one on one with one of the greatest man eaters in the in the history of the NFL. You got this kid, T.J. Watt, out there, right? And you're out for the most part. They had somebody, you know, double teaming him, t- helping to tackle him at times. It seemed like, you know, but they left him alone one on one a couple of times. And what happened? Well, you get a holding call, then all of a sudden you get a offside. You you you. Uh, you know, false you start. Yeah. false start. Thank you. Yeah. You you know, you kick out early. Why? Well, that guy out there can beat you around the corner. So the fact is, there's a lot that happens in that, and you you obviously would like to play clean, but you know, sometimes circumstances being what they are. I remember the one I got away with was uh, you know when Terry's last game was it was the worst holding. Un- I would say it was the worst holding call in the history of the NFL that wasn't called. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I got away with it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, it's I'm, one of those. One thing I did want to point out when we're talking about complimentary football, and I should have picked up on what you said earlier, you know, they play Renegade and then T.J. Watt makes the effect. But how often, um, I mean, you could look at his career, but certainly this year, when you think about, like, impact guys are making and, and sacks that they're coming up with, well, when you have a pass rush team, a speed defense, which the Steelers have always been, um, aggressive. Let's get after the quarterback. It works a lot better when you're at home oh. and you got the lead and the crowd's roaring. Um, that's where, you know, we talked about Lawrence Taylor earlier. That's when he came up with a, a sack or two that would finish off the game. That's when James Harrison and Joey Porter would would finish things off. Well, TJ Watt hasn't had the luxury of being in that position enough. So complimentary football, you get the lead that makes this defense, it makes any defense better, but it makes this defense and the way the Steelers want to play, in my opinion, so much better. It is such a leg up when you're able to do that. Yeah. And I think everyone's aware that, you know, through a hundred games, only Reggie White has more sacks. And I don't think people realize in Watt's career, he's basically been the best guy at producing Forced fumbles in the league, too. I mean, he's elite in that regard, kind of like his brother was at swatting down the ball. They, I mean, they had these superpowers in addition to the sack stuff. But I harp on this all the time when the drive with Dale is TJ, unfortunately, has not played with many double-digit leads at home, towels flying. I mean, that's happened very rarely in his career. Imagine if he would have had double those opportunities. I mean, it's amazing. You know, um, and just to take a step back before we get into this game in Seattle, uh, you know, the the last couple of weeks in the NFL, you're like, can somebody please? The, the Steelers need some pe- – they need some help. Mm-hmm. And, the you know, the Texans are pulling a rabbit out of the hat and the Browns are pulling a rabbit, rabbit out of the hat. And everybody's a magician. I thought and, the Bengals were done when Burrow was out. Yeah, and right. Every, everybody's yeah, right. yeah, everybody's doing something. And then I'm driving home after doing the show with Charlie and I'm listening to the Bills game and – there was a, a you know the a late you know potential first down oh no hang on a second no they're gonna well wait a minute should they challenge they don't challenge it then they you know they third in inches and they they get a penalty and then they get a sack then they have to kick a field goal and the the bills of course march down and wind up winning the game you're like oh and within inches maybe of keeping that drive alive chewing up all the clock and kicking a field goal so you're thinking oh my is it going to be another weekend like this and the answer is no 
Uh, so the Bills won that game. And if you're the Steelers, yeah, you got to win out. We know that. We already know that mm-hmm. because of what you did yourself, uh, self-inflicted. But all of a sudden now, if you, the Steelers win the next two games. I came across this stat. Who knows how accurate it is. 92% chance of making the playoffs if they win their last two games. Got to win them. Mm-hmm. Not going to be easy on the road, but just a good weekend all the way around. No question about it. And job one is going to be Seattle, where the Steelers are one and seven. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, and I, as a participant in a couple of those losses in the old kingdom out there, which I'm glad was raised, <laughs> you know, buried memories along with that kingdom. You know what I mean? Uh, the fact of the matter is, you know, it that travel does mess with you a little bit. And that that volume of noise that you're going to face is going to be huge, but this is a team and and Seattle. Let's give them credit; they've won two nail biters oh, here. Oh my goodness, they're, Drew Locke, uh, yeah, and then they're doing, uh, and then a, they're doing a job. They're getting it done. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting outing, and uh, you know, it, it is what it is. You got to face it, and you got to go. Last time they won, there was 1983. Mm. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, I mean, you you at least know what it feels like to win in that city. Yeah, I also know what it's like to lose in that city, too. Last, what, 40 years? 1983, I was oh, 10 years old. Yeah, that, uh, it's, it's, it's very difficult. And the, no, the noise level is going to be huge. It's well, going to be a big part of that. They put themselves in this position, so now they have to accomplish the difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, it's not you – know, You're right. I mean, you could still lose a game technically and get in the playoffs, but it would be – I mean, no. now you're getting out the, you know, the abacus right. and the calculator and all kinds of stuff. 1989, when we – six things had to happen when we were in Tampa Bay. on was the day after Christmas, or was it Christmas Day? I can't even remember. But the first thing that happened was that it snowed for the first time in 25 years in Tampa Bay. And that was like a <laughs> sign. Good omen. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. a good omen. You know, and uh, we got into the playoffs. So you just never so know. You there's never a chance. quit. Yep. Yeah, the there's line. a chance. The rest yeah. of the AFC was pretty kind to the Steelers this weekend. Though. Yeah, and yeah. there's a reason teams are eight and seven, and not you know fourteen and one. It's because oh, right, they're right. capable of losing games to just about anybody. I like you, uh, how you did the math. That was good. Thank you. It took me a minute. <laughs> I was I was I had two strikes against me. I had to, I had to go opposite field on that one. I had to shorten up. Uh, For the most complete selection of Steelers merchandise from official sideline gear and authentic memorabilia to our extensive selection of jerseys and terrible towels, visit one of the official Steelers Pro Shop stores located at Akershire Stadium, Grove City Premium Outlets, or Tanger Outlets, or visit us online at shop.steelers.com for all your merchandise needs directly from the team. For Craig Wolfley, for Matt Williamson, I'm Rob King. Thanks for listening to The Point After on Steelers Nation Radio and 102.5 DVE. Man, my holiday bills are almost as hard to get rid of as my in-laws. I guess my budget will be my New Year's resolution again. Hi there, friendly S&T banker here. The aftermath of the holidays can be tough. Have you thought about using the equity in your home to consolidate your debt? I can do that? Yep, home equities are one of the lowest cost financing options. At S&T Bank, we can help you so you can have a financial fresh start. Stop by a branch or visit stbank.com to learn more. S&T Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender.